Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. Today as we come and uh, open the Bible up, we want to open a, a passage that really does speak into our life in a really important aspect of uh, who we are and um, what we aspire for sometimes. Tell me, has anybody ever watched the TV show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Seeing a few hands go up. Well, you'll often hear Eddie. Some might say, lock it in, Eddie. I'm not going to say that to you today. Some will often hear Eddie say, what will you do if you win the money? How will you spend the money? What will you do if you win the money? And then the contestants, they list off a whole range of things that they're going to enjoy themselves with. They might buy a new car, they might go on a holiday, they might do a house renovation, they might do a whole range of things there. It's, it's nearly like for some of those people, if I win the money, it'll turn my whole life around. In a sense, it's a bit like if I win the money, somehow the money could be my saviour in life in some respects. Well, today as we open up the Bible, we're going to meet a man who comes up to Jesus, who also thinks, this man that is, who thinks money will be his saviour as well. Now, Jesus is going to do a very loving thing here and expose his heart for what he's really looking for and treasuring for when he does that. So if you've got your Bibles or if you're with us and you haven't got a Bible, you can go to uh, the booklet we've printed off and you'll see their sermon passage and then you'll be able to follow along uh, with with us in that sermon passage that's all right can't fall any further that's right lizzie spot on okay so with me in mark chapter 10 we're going to read from verses 17 through to 31 so starting in mark chapter 10 verse 17 we'll pick it up there and as he was setting out on his journey a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him good teacher what must i do to inherit eternal life and jesus said to him Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honour your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I've kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go. Sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of god it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of god and they were exceedingly astonished and said to him then who can be saved jesus looked at them and said with man it is impossible but not with god for all things are possible with god peter began to say to him see we've left everything and followed you Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who's left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. 
But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Lord, we thank you that we can gather today in this, uh, under this glorious sun that you've created for us to display your glory, and that we can gather and open up the glory of your word. We pray, Holy Spirit, as we just begin to think about this passage here as Jesus talks to this rich young man and what he's seeking, but he's looking for it in the wrong directions. Father, we pray you'll, you'll help our hearts to see that you are the one that we must seek and you are the one who is truly our life. Help us now, we pray, and we ask that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay. Uh, Jesus was on earth. Uh, when Jesus was on earth, he had three very intensive years of showing the love and the holiness of God and doing this with many, many different and varied people. Jesus was approached by people from all walks of life and right across uh, the whole spectrum of social standings. Jesus mixed with anybody. He was no respecter of persons, uh, even the, with the so-called social outcasts of society, right those who were seen as the rich and powerful, Jesus met with them. And Jesus never showed any favouritism or was never partial to anybody. Jesus was always treating people fairly, lovingly, and always spoke the truth to them regardless of who they were. That's who Jesus was. That's who Jesus is. In this true event we've just read there now, Jesus is approached by a rich young man. You can read this same story in the other gospel accounts as well there, and it says he's a rich young ruler actually. He's young, he's wealthy, and he's powerful. By all accounts to our day, if we thought about someone like that, rich, young and powerful, he probably would be termed as the alpha male. Someone that we may look up to and someone that we may even aspire to be given the success this person had. Well, this young man has a question here for Jesus and it's about salvation. So this is where we're going to go today as we think about this passage here, think about what Jesus is saying. And it's this, God is the God of salvation. He rescues and saves when we cannot rescue or save ourselves. It's a real picture here of Jesus speaking right into our lives in a very pertinent point where we all come across. So as we set the scene here, we see this. Jesus has been doing some teaching with his disciples and he's now about to set out on a journey. And this young man runs up to him and asks this really great question. He says there, what must I do to inherit eternal life. What do I have to do to gain salvation from death? Now, from his perspective, he might be thinking, what do I have to buy to purchase eternal life? Because he's rich and he's young. And he said, I'll buy this if I need to do something like that. What do I have to buy? Now, the question here, at least, I think is brilliant from this young man. He's actually thinking of a bigger picture here of life and not just the here and now. He's actually got a bigger picture he's got in mind. He really does believe there's something more to life than what we can see in just the here and now captured in this tiny moment of time where we are. He can see something better, like see something bigger. He has some sort of awareness of a spiritual dimension or salvation in life for this rich young man. Now, I think if we all stop at that point there... Everybody, everybody at some stage in life looks around and asks themselves, there's got to be more to life than what I can see right now. When I think about just today, these fantastic trees that are planted around about us here, the sun that shines, I'm no accident. There's got to be something bigger than me that's out here. 
he had a brilliant question, this young man. He had a brilliant question. Now often, sadly, we actually don't explore any further than just a passing thought. But we're hoping today that we will take some more time to explore this bigger picture. So he asked this question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answers the young man's question initially by reminding him of the laws that they lived by in that day in verse 19. You can follow that in your um, sermon passage there in the booklet. It says in verse 19, Jesus speaking, You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honour your father and mother. Now you might just think right there, why is Jesus asking those questions? Why is he sort of telling that to that particular person? Why is he saying, you know, have you kept all this law? Have you kept all these commandments? Have you done all these things? Good question. What Jesus is going to show this young man here, that it's not outward conformity or actions on the outside that counts, but what's happening on the heart on the inside is what matters. That's where Jesus is going to go here as he begins to explore this with this rich young man. Well, Jesus lists off those commandments and the young man's face, it lights up. It just lights up. It goes, all the buzzers are going off. Because every time Jesus speaks out a command, he says, tick, I've done that. Don't lie, tick, I've done that. Tick, I've obeyed that, I've obeyed that. And he replies to Jesus in verse 20 of the, in the passage there. He says, Jesus, I've done all that from my youth up. I've obeyed all those commands. I've done it all. I've completed it all. I, I don't fail on those points. Well, this young man here is a prime example, a prime example of how we might think of you do the hard work, you earn the good rewards. You do the hard work and then you earn the good rewards from your hard work. He's worked hard all his life, this young man, and it's got him places. He's surrounded by comfort. He's got all the material things that money can buy because he's done the hard work. And he says, now I've earned these things. He's got power. He's got prestige. He's got people here that respect him and look up to him as this rich young ruler. And not only that... He's a nice guy. He's saying it's there he lives a very moral, upright life. He's faithful to his wife. He doesn't lie. And all the other things he says, I've done that, Jesus. I've obeyed all those things. I don't fail there. You see, this man, his life's all been about doing the right thing and getting what you want. Doing and getting. Doing and getting. He does something and then he earns it and then he gets it. And thus far, this has landed him a good life, he might think, for many respects. But he still has that question in the back of his mind regardless to that. Well, let's move on. Jesus knows what's going on in this man's heart. And now Jesus moves to help him to see what's in his own heart as well. So this young man can be aware of what's happening in his heart. And notice here as we go to this next verse, in verse 21, Jesus here genuinely loves this young man. He's not treating him as a number. He's not treating him here just as an accessory. Jesus genuinely loves him. And Jesus asked this question. Have a look at verse 21 in your booklet there. He says this, And Jesus, looking at him, loved him, and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have, and give to the poor, 
and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me here it is jesus says do you want eternal life then give it all away everything you've worked for and you've gained fairly and squarely says jesus says now let it all go just give it all away and come follow me and you'll have eternal life treasure in heaven well that sounds like a reasonable deal doesn't it if you think about that 70 or 80 years on earth and maybe gaining things but then giving it all up and then and then i get eternity in exchange and i I get to live with forever with jesus in peace and joy if i just give all this other stuff away it sounds like a good deal if you could really grasp that but that's not how the rich young ruler sees things look in verse 22 of your booklet there and he says this disheartened by the saying this is the rich young man now disheartened by the saying he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions very wealthy very rich he had the whole world ahead of him and he had all the resources to gain this whole world just two verses back the rich young man's got a big big smile on his face he's thinking tick i've obeyed that tick i've obeyed that he's thinking i'm in come in spinner as far as he's concerned but now he's sad and he's depressed he's disheartened by the saying and he leaves sorrowful he can't bear to part with his possessions he can't bear to give his wealth away he wants to hold on to that now the question we need to ask ourselves here is what actually is jesus trying to teach us and show us here by this interaction here with this rich young ruler and i think there's a number of things that jesus is trying to show us here in this scenario first one's this money doesn't solve your problems this guy had everything money could buy everything he had nothing he he wanted he couldn't get he could get everything yet he still felt a need that money couldn't fix that money couldn't buy there was a restlessness within him about life after death that money couldn't fix with all the money he had he still couldn't answer this question about this restlessness he about eternal life now often we can think that money will solve all our problems and give us the life we've always dreamed of if i just had some more money that would be it a little bit more money and that will get me out of trouble bit like eddie on millionaire if i just had that it'll change my life and it'll complete me i saw a bit of this documentary the other day about elvis presley who here knows elvis presley that might just reveal some of your ages all six of you that's good i'm sure more than six now but elvis presley well if ever there was a rich young man it was elvis presley this guy he had money he had prestige he had untold women at his call and he had the sort of fame that we could only dream about in many respects from the outside uh, elvis presley was living the dream he went from night to night and just there was crowds flocking to him and he was rich young and powerful but behind the scenes elvis was a train wreck behind the scenes Elvis Presley's life was fueled by alcohol and by pills. Pills to put him to sleep at night and pills to wake him up in the morning and alcohol to sort of keep him going through the day. 
He was a train wreck. On stage, he was a powerful performer. But off the stage, he was sad, angry, depressed, and desperately lonely. Yet he was young and rich that we could only dream about. It didn't solve and fix the problems there for Elvis Presley. Second thing that wealth can do. Secondly, we need to see here is wealth can cloud our judgment or cloud our vision. Sometimes what we see here is the materialism that money brings clouds our judgment and we don't see things properly. Here's what I mean by that. With wealth, I can easily become very self-sufficient in life. If I need something, well, what do I do? Well, then with the money that I've earned and, and worked hard for, I just go out and purchase what I like. I just get what I need. I meet all of my needs as it were through my own efforts. What happens here is that it begins to help us or begin to make us think we are self-sufficient. I can do this in myself. And this clouding of judgment or clouding of vision here of wealth and the materialism that it brings also flows into our spiritual side of our life as well. In a real sense, when I'm living in a self-sufficient way, I can live very happily without God. I don't need him. I just go to the supermarket and buy my food. I just go down to the department store and buy my clothes and buy my shoes and go to the petrol station and put fuel in the car. I just don't need God. Materialism and wealth can actually cloud our vision and make us think like, I can do life on my own. It's okay. That's another thing here that Jesus is trying to see here about how wealth can actually uh, be a problem in our lives, if not handled properly. Here's the third thing, and I think this is what Jesus is really getting at here with the rich man in this situation. And what Jesus is really getting at here is this, that the rich man's heart was the issue. His heart was the issue. And what Jesus exposes here when he asks this question to this young man is where is his strongest love directed towards? What is the thing that this rich man truly loves above everything else? And we see there that it was money. The rich man was given a choice, give away all your money and gain eternal life or keep your money and then die in judgment. Now, as I say that, please don't get me wrong today and don't hear this, that money isn't, uh, the money is the real issue in the story. It's not. Money's not the real issue in the story. Even though Jesus is talking about that, he's not actually saying that is the real issue. It's about what the heart loves first and foremost. And for this rich young man, his heart was first and foremost in love with money. Money's not the issue, it's what the heart is drawn to. And that's what we need to see. Will we first love the God who's created us and given us life? Or will we first love the things of this world and try to find our life out there in those things? That's the difference in questions there. And what Jesus did was he helped the rich young man to see that his heart loved first money before anything else. Jesus was trying to expose that to him. Because when Jesus asked this question, the rich man didn't have to think too long. His heart was in love with money. He couldn't give it up. It was ruling his life. Jesus actually put the finger right on the important issue in that person's life. He couldn't do what Jesus asked him to do because his love was drawn in another direction. 
God is our good and loving creator. He rightfully deserves our love first and foremost before anything else. We sit here today and we enjoy the shade of the tree or we enjoy the warmth of the sun. All of that comes from God. Every time we take a breath, that comes from our creator. He gives us the breath in our lungs. He deserves rightfully, first and foremost, our love. And when we put anything before God as the most important things in our lives, this is what the Bible then calls sin. That we've chosen something else instead of God to be the most important thing in our lives. As Jesus has shown us here with this young man, it's our heart, it's the inner person, not the fleshly organ of our body, but the inner person who we can't see, that is the real issue in our lives in this way. Our hearts are broken. The inner me is broken. Now, particularly if we think about money and people's love for money, people will sometimes go to any means to accumulate it, any means to amass it. And I'm sure you've heard of similar stories here where families, when their parents die and the last will and testament is delivered, how all of a sudden families become bitter enemies because they're trying to think, hang on, there's some money up for grabs now, and they'll nearly tear each other apart as siblings to get at that money. It shows you a corrupted heart. They want this more than anything else. Well, the rich young man, he couldn't do it. His heart was so in love with money and wealth that he walked away from eternal life. Anyone looking on would say, are you for real? That's a really bad deal. Just for this you walked away and you could have gained all that? How could you do that? Well, it shows us again here how our corrupt hearts blind us. We long for all these other things and we try and fit them in our life and make our life built on them, but it blinds us from the true reality. Well, the rich man walks away, sadly. He's sad and depressed himself. Jesus turns to the disciples and says this in verse 23 there in your booklet again. He says this, And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples are amazed by that statement that Jesus says. And so Jesus again says it in verse 24 and 25, and he uses this example here of impossibility. He said it's like if, if, a, if a camel could go through the eye of a needle, well then maybe a wealthy person trying to hang on to their wealth could get into heaven. It's an impossible I even struggle to get a thread of cotton through an eye of a needle, let alone trying to put a camel through an eye of a needle. It's an impossibility, Jesus. That's what he's saying there. In verse 26, the disciples again are gobsmacked by what Jesus says. Then, then who can be saved, Jesus? Who can be saved, Jesus? Now, part of the reason why they're astonished here is they thought back in that day that wealth was a sign of blessing from God. So surely these wealthy people who are favoured by God, surely they would be ripe for salvation. They were astonished and amazed at what Jesus said. But what Jesus was really saying is this. With our hearts, our inner person, so corrupted, we can't possibly make ourselves right before God to be rescued and saved. We can't do this. Jesus has already said that. It's impossible. We'll keep choosing other things first instead of God. Our life won't be framed around God. It'll be framed around something else we try and fit into our life. And Jesus confirms it there in verse 27. He says this, 
Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Look at what Jesus says there. He says, With man it's impossible. You can't save yourself. We are too hopelessly blinded and corrupted by our hearts. But with God, all things are possible. So in other words, Jesus says this, the very thing we need, salvation and entry into God's kingdom, is possible only through God, not through our means. And God has made it possible for us to have new hearts to long for and love him first above everything else. Gloriously made that possible for us. This is why Jesus has come into the world. This is why Jesus is actually talking to disciples now. This is why we have a Bible today to reveal to us this glorious truth. Jesus came to the world that he created. Jesus came to bear the judgment for our sins at the cross and at the same time to give us a new heart through a new life that now loves and longs for God with a new mindset, a new attitude completely done by God in us. Jesus does what we could never do and he does it for our sake on our behalf. This is the wonder and the beauty of Christ. We cannot save ourselves. We are so blinded by sin in our hearts. Jesus steps in and by his grace... He offers us salvation if we'll believe in who he is and follow his lordship for our lives. Jesus says you will receive a new heart and you will see things all new, totally different. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is the most beautiful good news stories that God could have ever written and lived out for us through his son. This is the story of salvation and the story of transformation. Not only are we saved, but we are transformed by him as well. Now, if we think about our culture today, we see people in so many respects tearing each other apart because Jesus isn't in the picture. He's not first and foremost. Each person uh, had their own hobby horse or their personal agenda where they may gather a few allies and form a group around themselves. And as soon as they meet, perhaps another group with a different opinion or a different agenda or a different hobby horse to theirs, it's like we've got to launch into World War III in today's culture, either with personal abuse because we just want to shout them down or we get involved in cancel culture. We just want to cancel that group altogether. That's how we do it now. We talk about tolerance and we talk about inclusion, but without Jesus in the centre, no one is genuinely willing to sit down And have an adult conversation and listen to a different point of view. When Jesus is taking this, that's what happens. We just get so blinded by these things that we refuse to hear what someone else has got to say and hear another point of view. We want to counsel them. Well, why is it like that? Our heart is just like the rich young ruler. His love and his drive was for money. Our hearts in this world can be drawn in a million different directions chasing after all sorts of things to make them ultimate in my life like i live for this this is what gets me out of bed every morning this is what i spend my money on this is what makes me actually uh, use all my energy for we could live for power and control i just want to be in control i just want to have the power we could live for career and status i'm just choosing the highest career i possibly can because i think that's where life's going to be 
I can live for social media identity and what people think about me. That becomes the most important thing. What people see about me on social media, I am so wrapped up in that. Or we live for pleasure and leisure. My life is all about comfort and ease. None of those things are wrong in themselves, so don't hear me say that. But when they become ultimate and they become what I live for and what drives me each day, And then if somebody crosses my agenda or pushes back against it, it's so easy how it gets our blood boiling or crushes us personally when people begin to push back on my personal agenda or what I'm living for. You see, here's what we find. None of those things ultimately can save us. The rich young man, it wasn't going to save him. He, He couldn't give it up. But he still had that feeling of restlessness. Um, Elvis Presley, no different for him. There's still a voice that echoes on the inside. I haven't found it yet. I haven't found it yet. I've got all this accumulation around me, but there's still this voice that echoes on the inside. I still haven't found it yet. There's something that's missing. I still feel empty. I still feel uncertain. I still feel despairing. I still feel lost even though I'm trying to accumulate all these things in this world. We are made by God and we are made for God. When you discover Jesus through the gospel, it's then that you discover life and the giver of life. It doesn't necessarily take away the hard times. We still experience those in this world. But with Jesus and the transformation of the gospel, we receive a hope that will never disappoint us and carry us all the way through this life till we meet Christ. And it's a hope that cannot be defeated. It's a hope that cannot be broken down by any circumstances we face in this world. Let me ask you these questions. What are you living for that you consider more valuable than Jesus? What are you giving your life for ahead of Jesus and is that thing that you're giving your life for ahead of Jesus is that going to save you when you meet Jesus at the end of your life will it do that let me close now with this true story Uh, there was a Franklin naval expedition in 1845 where they were seeking a passage through the northwest shelf through the Arctic Circle trying to find a quicker trade route to get across one side of the world to the other so two ships about 129 sailors got together to find this way through the Arctic Circle the northwest shelf and here's some reflections here uh, of this uh, historic dismal failure of loss of all life in this expedition. Now you can read with me there on the sermon quote in the booklet and um, here's the reflections of this historian. Annie Dillard tells of the ill-fated Franklin expedition to the Arctic in 1845. That odyssey was a turning point in Arctic exploration because of its well-publicised failure. The preparations were more suitable for the Royal Navy Officers Club in England than for the frigid Arctic. The explorers made room on their ships for a large library, a hand organ, china place settings, cut glass wine goblets and sterling silver flatware instead of additional coal for their steam engines. The ornate silver flatware was engraved with the the individual officers' initials and their family crests. 
Search parties found clumps of bodies of men who had set off to walk for help when their supplies ran out. One skeleton wore his fine blue cloth, uniform edged with silk braid, hardly a match for the bitter Arctic cold. Another apparently chose to carry with him the place settings of sterling silver flatware. What must he have been thinking to take sterling silver tableware in a search for help and food? What was he thinking carrying that with him? One cannot imagine that any of these sailors, adventurers, would have said as they neared death on the frozen landscape, I wish I brought more silver place settings with myself. Our hanging on to things that are ultimately useless in this life will look no less foolish. Many cannot envision life without these things that we cherish that become ultimate in our lives. But in doing so, we are in danger of losing the only life that counts. Powerful illustration there about what we hang on to. Jesus is calling us to himself today for salvation from ourselves, from this world, and to truly find life. Let me pray. Father, we thank you today that we can come and uh, open up your word here and uh, think about this story that Jesus, you had with this rich young man. God, how many of us, all of us, all of us, Lord, hunger and look for these things that will sustain us in this life. But we still have this voice that echoes in the background, in our minds, in our hearts. I'm still missing something. I'm not quite right. There's still something there that's just not quite hitting the spot. Even as I think about this failed naval expedition, Lord, carrying their sterling silver flatware as they go out looking for help and food so they won't die. How many of us, Lord, are clinging on to these things? I pray today that, Holy Spirit, you would open our eyes up to see how futile they are. They're good things, but they are never meant to be ultimate things. Help us to see the heart that we need that comes from you, a heart that truly sees you, Jesus, as the centre of our lives. And then when we see that, Lord, our life makes sense. The gospel makes sense of this life. Lord, we pray today, please open our eyes up to see that. We ask that in your name, Jesus. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person. So consider yourself invited to be with us.